Welcome to Cole Sports. You have entered the zone called sports on another level. And now, here's your host, Cole Johnson. Cole Sports! I am that man, your man, the illustrious tour guide, Cole Johnson. And on this episode, it's going to be a little different. No headlines, just one headline. I am going to go in on a subject. A Pomford review is going to be a little bit on the inspirational side. And, of course, we're going to award the adult of the week. But right now, headline, please. Dateline, Philadelphia. So there was an NFL game that happened between the Panthers and the Eagles. It was a 17-0 lead that the Eagles had carrying into the fourth quarter when they simply could not hold that lead. And Cam Newton brought his Road Panthers back to a 21-17 victory. Some call it a fluke. Others call it a character win. That's where I lean. That was a character win. And that was one of those win-out-of-sales losses for the Eagles. But for all of what happened on the field, it wasn't the game that really was intriguing. It was what happened before. When you had... Malcolm Jenkins, the safety for the Eagles, and the opposing safety for the Panthers, Eric Reed, come out to midfield. Mind you, Reed is not a captain, Jenkins is, and on his own accord decided to address Jenkins at midfield. Now, people have weighed in, just like Reed weighed in, calling Jenkins a quote. Sell out. Close quote. And the two had a tete. And as with tete's go, nothing got solved. Well, here is my, I guess you could say, unadulterated, uncut, raw opinion about this whole situation. You do not call anybody a sellout in public until you possibly address the issue privately to them. They do nothing. And then you could possibly sell the sellout claim then. And I say possibly because you shouldn't say that about anybody, period. That there isn't a reason to say sellout to anybody for any reason. I don't care what it is or who it is. Now, to give you more clarity about the situation, okay, so you have Kyler Kaepernick, who, of course, had his systemic oppression protest start in 2016, and then extended itself to the end of that season, and for whatever reason, you can say the NFL decided to not hire him, you can say the Kaepernick decided to leave on his own, which he did opt out of his contract in San Francisco, He hasn't suited up since January of 2017. Now, last year, there was issue between the NFLPA and Kaepernick. The two sides tried to get together. Nothing happened. And judging by what we have heard, seemingly the reason why Kaepernick has been mum is the word when it came to the NFLPA is because of what Eric Reid is airing out now out into the public. And so he has detailed the understanding that Jenkins decided to undercut everybody and wanted to be the superstar, or I'll use one of my homeboys phrases in the general, Mike Patton, love you, VIP, and calling him the, quote, white horse, close quote. I understand that. So two sides got together. Kaepernick saw that he couldn't get anything accomplished, so he decided to jet. Understood. I get that. Jenkins went onward, and he talked with the owners. They seemingly didn't really get anywhere in 2017, but during the offseason of 2018, apparently the owners did. They agreed to a little bit under a $100 million, I guess you could say, settlement after, of course, the edict that the owners drew up back in May about the National Anthem protocol. 
and it was curious as to how it got withdrawn so quickly and now that's why they were in talks with Jenkins they had this I guess you could say under the table agreement because most of us didn't really sign off on it and that's why you see most of the players standing now and that's why you don't see or hear any of the owners talk about well that's not an issue any longer meanwhile you have Eric Reed who of course is it's really harsh to call him a Kaepernick disciple. It's more along the lines of a Kaepernick devotee. I think that's the best way I can put it. He's carrying on what Kaepernick started two years ago. And I think what Kaepernick cannot express or what Kaepernick is not willing to express, Eric Reed is. Hence, cut to Sunday. October 27th when the two of them went cut to Sunday October 21st when the two of them went onto the field and they had their tay in the middle of Lincoln Financial Field Jenkins and Reed I mean there's some things on both ends that I have an issue with let's start with Reed first you're an intelligent brother you from Louisiana you you know you you have a heart that's full of gold, and that is apparent from the word go. The problem that I foresee with you is when you walk out to the field, that is for captains when they walk out to the field for the coin toss. Unless you appeal to the coaches, coaching staff to be an honorary captain, what purpose did you have in getting onto the field then? You had none. If you have an issue with Malcolm about this, take him aside and talk to him in private. It's a crabs in a barrel thing, and I know some will agree, some will agree with me, and probably many will disagree with me. But it's a crabs in a barrel thing, and I'll get to that in a moment. Pull him aside, and you can label the sellout claim to him then, but you're doing it face to face, and it doesn't even have to come to blows. Let Malcolm talk about what he is trying to do. Then you get a chance to talk about what you're trying to do. And let's see if the twain shall meet. And if it doesn't, fine, it doesn't meet. But the two of you actually were men, got together, didn't have to, didn't have your chest puffed out, didn't go to your corner, didn't, you, didn't say, well, I'm doing this for me. And I'm doing this for everybody because my way is better. No, no. Back to my man, Mr. Patton, where he said, this is a movement that has no star. And I agree with you. On that, and I agree with him on that, and I agree with that sentiment. But you can't break protocol to talk about things that you feel as though that's private and personal in public. Now, on the other end, Mr. Jenkins, I get what you're talking about because you already understand these owners only deal with money. You can have you can have players who beat on women, run over people with cars and kill them, drink and drive behind the wheel, bet on the game, but they will be given second chances. Why? Because that doesn't affect the bottom line to the owners. But if you kneel during the national anthem, that affects money. And when you affect the owner's money, then they are willing to either talk or listen or do something drastic to make whatever is happening that's losing cash flow stop Jenkins knows that Jenkins talked to them that's what I gather from him what I don't like is he undercut just about everybody in doing so and the edict that was drawn back in May that was rescinded very quickly well he was the main reason why the, the owners rescinded it because they under the table got that deal done to where the owners would contribute something to the amount of 100 million to whatever causes the players really care about in exchange for them not to kneel or do a protest of any any way shape or form during the national anthem to the both of you you both are grown men you both should stand up to each other Talk as grown men are supposed to talk. Get the situation done. Stop airing out dirty laundry. Stop saying that you 
have the answer and see if you can listen if the other person has something else that could add to your platform to make the overall platform greater, better, stronger, more powerful. Because I'll give you a slight history lesson. That's what Malcolm X and Martin Luther King Jr. couldn't do 50 years ago. That's what you're not able to do now. And you know what it's looking like? It's looking like that you all cannot get together. And well, you see how the NFL Players Association look? Well, you two are pretty much a microcosm of how the whole labor union of the NFL players looks. Just like that. So if you two really want to get something done, focus on what is an issue. Not on each other because neither one of you are an issue at all. Because you're making it more about yourselves and not about these families who are getting more and more hurt, more and more angry, and more and more disenfranchised by a country whose law enforcement can shoot them down with probable cause. And they can be unarmed and get mowed down. That's the focus. Not this who is stronger or who schlong is bigger. The focus is the people. Not Eric Reed and Malcolm Jenkins. The sooner you all realize that, the better you all will be. Later, we're going to kick something in the butt. And upon further review, award the dodo of the week, but immediately following the break, I'm about to go Now, have you tuned into the Instagram Cold Sports with a Z page? Well, you should. There's a question of the day every day. And one of the questions this past week was, does the current five-game winning streak make the Texans, the Houston Texans, an AFC contender? And my man at the original, one of the greatest VIPs ever, answered by saying, quote, I believe so. They were well on their way before the injuries. Now that everyone is healthy, especially Watt, they could be trouble deep in the playoffs. Close quote. Now to read more of what at the original said on Instagram, go to the Instagram page at Cold Sports with a Z. And if your answer to any question of the day is riveting enough for me and captures my interest, I will read it on the air. Come on, question of the day on Instagram, Cold Sports with a Z. Welcome back, Cole Johnson, Cole Sports, and here we go again. So these past two months have been, I guess you could say, a black hole of horrors for the second stinted head coach of the Oakland Raiders, John Gruden, but he's fighting the fact that Someone, or I should say someones, are saying that the team, and probably in particular he, is tanking. Are the Oakland Raiders tanking? (laughs) I have an answer to that, as I am about to go (laughs) 
one of the week, another trade from the Oakland Raiders. Last month, we talked about how they dealt Khalil Mack to the Bears for a number one draft pick in 2019 and a number one draft pick in 2020, among other picks as well. And then this past week, they deal wide receiver Amari Cooper to the Cowboys for their now third number one draft pick for 2019 in taking the Cowboys first round draft pick. Can someone say fire sale? I knew you could. This is hearkening back to the days where back in 1997 and 2001, major leaguers, you know what I'm talking about, and major league baseball fan, you know exactly where I'm going with this. The now Miami Marlins, but then Florida Marlins, would sell pretty much any big-time ticket player away to the highest bidder because the team cried foul, the team cried broke, the team cried poor. They didn't have the ability to afford any of the players. So what did they do after the two times that their teams were at their zenith? Because each of those years I mentioned, they won the World Series. October of 97 and 2001 were great. But the winners to follow were absolutely horrible. Because you couldn't recognize the team come April of those years following. Well, that's what you're seeing here with Oakland. I mean, besides, we're talking about a team that was two years removed. Or I should say is two years removed from having a 12-4 and season. And if it weren't for an injury to Derek Carr, probably would have won the AFC West that year. And Carr would have probably been the MVP of that year. That's on the offensive side. The defensive side, you had Khalil Mack, who was just sacking people right and left, getting strip sack fumbles, getting fumble recoveries, and became the defensive player of the year. This is all in the same year. And here's something to really capture your interest and pique your interest with all this. In the last 16 years, I guess you could say starting starting back to when they drafted Jamarcus Russell. They had 13 the Raiders, 13 first-round draft picks. And of those 13 draft picks, two in the first round went onward to be pro bowlers. They both were traded this year. Can you guess who were the perennial pro bowlers? That's right. Khalil Mack and Amari Cooper. So, of course, now the scuttlebutt is, who's next? It's got to be Derek Carr. And I'll get to that in a minute. But the label of tanking so bothered Chucky to the point where he had to address this. And he addressed it following. And he addressed it in this manner. Quote, I'll say this. We aren't tanking anything. I hear the hatred out there. Some of the rumors that we are tanking to get a first round pick or a higher pick. We're not getting up at four o'clock in the morning to tank it. Ain't nobody tanking it. I don't know who wrote that, who said that, or who thinks that. But that isn't the case here. We're going to continue to work hard, continue to build our team. And that was part of the message. Close quote. Johnny, Johnny, no, that's not the message. No, 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 no. The message is, we don't care about the Oakland fan. We are all about Vegas, baby. Vegas Strip, here we come. That's the message you're sending your team. Oh, and about car. That offensive line is so putrid, he looked like he was crying in that London game they played against the Seahawks while gripping his left shoulder. And there's rumors that are circulating saying that you all are looking for not one, not two, not three, but four first-round draft picks for the man who two years ago signed a five-year, $125 million extension. 
And Carr was fighting so vigorously, saying that he's going to be fighting for Oakland. Well, you're going to be fighting for Oakland for two more months. And then you all are going to Paradise, Nevada. Because you got to set yourself up to play in a stadium that I'll give the Raiders credit on this one. You all have not had a stadium built for your particular team in the almost 60 years that you've existed as a franchise. I will give you kudos on the fact that you managed to play in a baseball stadium for that long. And then you played when you were in L.A. in a cavernous place where I think they just now fitted it for baseball. I'm sorry. They just now fitted it for football. Be honest with the people, Gruden. They're seeing you tanking because like you used to have on ESPN, your Gruden's grinders. You want to find your own grinders. You see, Mac wasn't your player, although you would be happy to have him. Carr is not your player, although you would be happy to have him. Cooper is not your player, although you'd be happy to have him. You only see them more as value, as assets, and not as potential players who could make your team better. That's the issue. That's the problem. That is where the rubber meets the road, and it's not meeting the road here. So, you have a decision to make. Because you're losing your team if you don't see it. Because we can see it. I'm not even a Raiders fan, and I can see it. With my own four eyes. I can peep it. And I can see that your team doesn't believe the crap that you're selling. They don't They don't believe the jive that you're pushing forth. They don't believe that. And they don't believe in you. How you can lose a team in less than a year is far beyond me. But when you trade two of the best players on it, that's a good way to start. So this is where you have to go. So you don't really have to appease Oakland. You don't have to appease Alameda County. You don't even have to appease California because you're leaving not just the city, not just the region. You're leaving the state. And you're packing up and going to the desert. You're going to have this lap of luxury where now you probably can get a little bit of Super Bowl money because the Super Bowl is going to go to Las Vegas because you're going to have one of those state-of-the-art franchise buildings like Jerry World, like University of Phoenix Stadium, like the LA Stadium that they're building now. It's going to be one of those beautiful palatial estates where the Super Bowl is probably going to be coming to knocking once every uh, seven, eight, nine years because the weather's perfect and the stadium will be perfect. So you have all of this. You have a new fan base to appeal to yourself to. And I'm sure you've studied a lot of Golden Knights stuff in the NHL and how their season went last year and how they're reacting to this season now. You all are seeing how you can be Las Vegas strong now because you don't care about the community in which you are in now. That's not your focus. How can I tell it's not your focus? I don't have to see the X's and O's. I don't have to see the 42, the 28 butt whooping that the coach just gave you. No, sorry. I don't have to see the butt whooping that these teams are giving you. I don't have to see any of that. All I need to see is the fact that you traded two of your three best players. One to me, the best player by far on your team. And a budding superstar that to me was behind Carr and Mack. Two of those three, and you're thinking about trading the third. Now, you may not have publicly, publicly said it, but you privately are thinking it. You're thinking that you can get some type of asset in return, some type of draft pick, because I can build my team, and I can build my team in Las Vegas. Good luck with that. Good luck with the fact that you are destroying, utterly destroying the image of, that to me, one of the most rabid fan bases in all of sports does not deserve. We can say what we want about Raiders fan. Those jokers show up, those jokers show out, and those jokers support you. They support you, they ride or die with you. 
and you're saying bye-bye to them by saying, you know what, this team really doesn't mean anything. You really don't have to fight hard for Oakland. We're fighting hard for Las Vegas. And that's why people think you're tanking. Because quite frankly, Mr. Gruden, you are. From taking the squabbin, the dealt of the week is next. You've tuned into the classiest sports show on the planet. Cold From the vault, a look back at a key moment in sports history. October 27th, 1991. The epic 1991 World Series between the Minnesota Twins and the Atlanta Braves ended on this date. A World Series that featured three extra inning affairs, including games six and seven, and by innings, the longest ever seven game series in Major League Baseball history. Well, with an exciting World Series such as this, of course it had to end dramatically, correct? And off of the Gene Larkin single into left field, that's exactly how this World Series ended. Jack Buck, if you do the honors. Infielders are sort of halfway at second and short. Pena in a jam. The Twins are going to win the World Series. The Twins have won it. It's a base hit. It's a one-nothing, ten-inning victory. The Minnesota Twins clinched their second World Series in five years with a one-nothing victory in Game Seven. From the vault, brought to you by Cole's Johnson's right here. Why waste time? Let's get to it. Don't of the week. Don't of the week. Sponsored by nobody, but we're still going to give it to you straight with no chaser. The winner of this episode's Don't of the Week is. Los Angeles Lakers forward Brandon Ingram. Now I'm going to take a different tact and road to this particular adult of the week here because I see teachable moment more than trying to drag somebody's name through the mud. Now, before I even set the table for it, Rajon Rondo and Chris, Chris Paul came very close to joining Brandon Ingram. But the reason why Ingram gets this award over those two is because that incident happened because of him. And what incident am I talking about? Okay, well, imagine this. Staples Center. October 20th, 2018. This is LeBron James' first Los Angeles Lakers game at home. And this supposedly to many of the casual fans is the official start of the NBA and the NBA of course already started back on Tuesday, but this was the official start. So it was an up and down game. It was good. Actually, 
And then we get to up near five minutes to go with the Rockets up 109 to 108. The Houston Rockets, of course, is the opponent in this instance. When the drama started. So on a fast break opportunity, the reigning MVP, James Harden, receives the ball. He drops it down the court. He sees an opportunity to get into the lane. He's just penetrating. He's about to he's about to penetrate. He dips his shoulder into Ingram who's backing up at the time, trying to, I guess you could say, draw a charge, but he couldn't get in position to do so. And Harden finishes, and he lays it up. But the refs didn't call a continuation. They said it was on the spot foul. So as Harden, as he wantonly does, complained to the refs about this should be an N1, but it's not, but it should be an N1, in comes a shove from Ingram. And then, of course, with that shove, Ingram gets teed up. Then he decides to get in the face of the referee who threw a technical on him only for Lance Stevenson to break up and separate the referee from Ingram. Now, we all thought everything was good until we saw the competing point guards get after it. So Paul and Rondo are talking to each other and jawing at each other. And then we all, we, we all of a sudden see Paul put a finger into Rondo's face and shoving him with it. And then we see Rondo return fire with a left, with a left hook. And then the fight was on. Then you saw the two of them throw punches. You saw Ingram who came all the way back from when he was being corralled by Stevenson to throw a shot. And then you see people pull apart all three people from the fight. And I'll get to one in particular later. Now, here is where I see the problem. It's not Paul and Rondo. They've they've had issues with each other for the last 10 years. I mean, ever since Rondo came into the league, it's been an issue with them. And, of course, later on, Rondo throws a charge at Paul, which is not new news, saying that he's a, quote, horrible teammate close quote but it's almost like the pot calling the kettle black because Rondo has not been the greatest of teammates all the time himself and what I find interesting about those two fighting is that you have two guys who are the most irritating players to go up against getting under each other's skin at the same time And to that end, I thought that was poetic justice for the both of them. Now, the the suspensions laid out as follows. Paul got two games. Rondo got three games. Ingram got four games. And I think Ingram got off light. Because I think Ingram should have gotten at least six. He shouldn't have missed a whole month of time. just, Just half a month of games. Just to make him think about it a little bit. Now, Ingram said this about his temperament in the fight and how he felt justified in doing what he did. Quote, I was wrong for my teammates, but I also stepped up for my teammates, and that's what I'm going to do 10 times out of 10. Close quote. I'll address this part. This is uncommon of me to do this in this segment, but I'll say it anyway. One of the things that I think will endear you to your teammates is what you did. You did stand up for them. And I should give you kudos for that, Brandon. Kudos for you standing up for your team. That is what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to have your teams back. I got your six. That's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to have your teammates six. That's good. And what I mean by six is you're supposed to have their backs. What you should not do, though, is lose your cool. Why? Because you got a chance to see why if you're going to stand up for your teammates, which is good. Your talents are no longer going to be served on the court, which is bad. You hurt your team by not being available. And I'm sure you've heard the term or the phrase, the best, the best ability is availability. Well, you can't be available 
if you're going to be ejected from games and suspended for others. So keep that in mind. I, I get it. You're young. You're 21. You're still growing. You're still learning. And, and people are raving about you. LeBron James included. And probably one of the biggest cheerleaders of you. Magic as well. People, for some reason, called you a, a young KD, which I didn't see. I am seeing more of what they're saying to you now. You're sort of like this this generation, Scottie Pippen. I'm seeing that more. But this is what I have to say to you about this. Okay, so when you have the reigning defending MVP coming at you, you know that you're going to draw a foul because that is what good players do. In particular, Harden, because that's his game. He's been doing this ever since he has been a rocket. Why do you think that he has led the NBA three years running by attempting the most free throws? That's his mantra. He's going to look for fouls. He's going to do everything possible to get that whistle. And if it means he has to step on you, if it means he has to bow, throw a bow at you, if it means he has to bump, bump into you, if it means he has to do like what Reggie Miller used to do with threes, kick out the leg just a little bit. However contact needs to happen, he will do it, and he will draw that foul, and at least for the regular season, he will get those whistles. The scouting report has not changed for the last, I would say, six or seven years. That's been him. So why would you get upset with what you know is going to be what he does? That's my issue with you, man. This is what he does. This is Harden at his finest, at his best. So why are you going to jump off the handle and fly off the handle because of that? No, man. No. Get him back on the other end of the court. You get your chance to, to stop him on defense. But show him how offensively you can't be toyed with. You're a good young man. You're, you are a rising star. I just don't want you to catch what I call the Rashid Wallace disease where the good play is all good and all well and good and all fine, but you all automatically remember him for all the technicals he drew more than the fact that he had a wonderful jumper. He could shoot threes. He could block shots and he was a force underneath in the post. People don't think of Sheed that way. They think of Sheed as Mr. Technical. I don't want that for you. I don't want you to be drawn into that type of play because you don't deserve that type of gloss to be placed upon you let your play do the talking not your anger because you get nowhere as you see in the four games you're serving when I come back a chant saying something sucks upon further review right after this. Patreon. Thank you, VIP. Coming up on the next installment of Cold Sports, we have a World Series champion. Who is it? Well, you have to tune in next week and find out who it is. Also, week 10. Wow, I mean, the college football season's going by. With a big game, Alabama LSU. We'll talk about that a little bit. Week 9 of the NFL, the Rams and the Saints. Man, that's going to be a tussle there in the Superdome. We're going to go in on the subject. Upon further review, we're going to have a particularly acute subject matter with that and of course we're going to award adult of the week we have to it's our 
duty. See, but that's for next week. For this week, though, since this is October and this is Breast Cancer Month and Breast Cancer Awareness Month, it hits close to home as my mother and grandmother suffer from that disease and also overcame them. And each has and each has lived a clean life free of cancer for at least 25 years. So whenever I see anybody suffering of any cancer comes into my purview. Like, for instance, many prayers to you, Joe and I, many prayers to you, Roman Reigns. It, it affects me in a way that it just doesn't with anything else. Hence, with this former student from Purdue, a chant that means something more. We attack that. And upon further review. IU sucks. IU sucks. IU sucks. IU sucks. Now, no, no, no. I am not a Purdue alum. I I am not a Purdue fan. And I don't hate the uni- I don't hate any any university. But that is a chant that you hear the student body of Purdue University say. And they do so on the football field, no matter the opponent. It could be Michigan. It could be Ohio State. It could be Notre Dame. It could be Michigan State. It could be Wisconsin. It could be any college football team that goes onto Ross Aid Stadium in West Lafayette, Indiana. It could be any team. The chant will be the same. IU sucks. IU sucks. It almost is reminiscent of seeing the Red Sox even if they have nothing to do with the Yankees, troll them in anything that they do positive. It's like, well, your rival is not even in your purview, but you still are saying that they're horrible. But I guess it's similar to Oklahoma or Texas when each team, each person says, well, it's whatever the time is. Oh, yeah, and OU or Texas still sucks. I get it. But this is an actual chant that happens every single football game. No matter who is the opponent. Well, Ohio State came a calling to West Lafayette. And they decided to do something a little different. They didn't they didn't chant IU sucks. Now, mind you, 730 Eastern kickoff. I'm sorry, eight o'clock Eastern kickoff. The place is hopping because the number two ranked team in the country is coming in and everything's cooking. And in that game, the motivation to stomp a mud hole in the Buckeyes came through because the final score of that game was 49 to 20. And I can't remember the last time I saw the Buckeyes get stomped like that, probably when they got shut out against Clemson two years back in a national championship semifinal. 31 nothing. But the energy. In Ross Aid Stadium was palpable. It transferred down to the field, and the Boilermakers just steamrolled, and I mean literally steamrolled over Ohio State. But absent in that particular game was the chant I said to begin this segment. Why? Because earlier this week, the Purdue student body saw one of their former students, Tyler Trent, who has a rare form of cancer that attacked him firstly when he was a freshman in high school. And he has kicked it. It's resurfaced. He kicked it again. And now it's resurfaced again. And the treatments were so vigorous that he had to take a break from campus life. Well, because of that, 
And because of them knowing that Tyler is probably one of the biggest Purdue fans that you'll ever meet, they decided to do something special. And I'm not saying this is hyperbole. I mean, he said it himself. Quote, this is amazing. Bleeding black and gold every day. Close quote. Now that response was in part the school saying we're not going to chant IU sucks. No, we're going to chant cancer sucks in honor of Tyler. In honor of Tyler, we're going to change up our normal routine to to battle something and talk about something that is more insidious than our most hated college football, baseball, basketball, you name the sport, rival. And they chanted it. Cancer sucks. Cancer sucks. Cancer sucks. Cancer sucks. And they invited Tyler and his family to the game. To commemorate that chant. So you can imagine a former student. And. Hurting. Because he can't really be there. Physically. And he's hearing something that he would probably participate in quite easily. And he's hearing something that is a part of the student body. Said in his honor. Well he was tickled. He was excited. And he should be. Well, along with that, he's going to be invited to a Cubs game, actually opening day. So in April, back in Carmel, he will be traveling from there to Chicago to Wrigley and watch, as he termed it, his favorite Major League Baseball team play on opening day at Wrigley for any fan it gets no better than that but for a lifelong Cub fan who needs every single bit of inspiration and joy that could be sprinkled upon him that means all the much more so Cold Sports would join in in the Cancer Sucks chant because cancer does suck no question about that. And when he made the announcement on Twitter about his departure and the reason for it, the tweet said it all. Quote, update, colon. I'm sad to say that I will not be making it back to hashtag Purdue. Heartbroken emoji. My health has taken a turn for the worse. And the level of care I need now is too great. While I may not know how many days I have left. I'm trusting the one who does. Hashtag only the strong. Hashtag boiler for life. Hashtag God's got this. Close quote. Tyler only strong people like you can kick cancer in the butt twice and you have the strength to kick it a third time because I totally believe it I totally believe when Jesus says that by his stripes you're healed I believe you healed already my friend it just hasn't taken on the shape and form that we can see with our own eyes but it's already been done boiler for life (laughs) It's wonderful to see someone who is so amped about being a part of something so spectacular and special. As for God's got this, you're exactly right. God does. He will hold you in his heart. He already does. He'll continue to do it. Cancer sucks, but you, my friend, you don't. You're going to kick cancer in the behind 
to the point where it will not resurface. God bless you, Tyler. Many prayers to you. If you happen to like this episode or any episode that you have heard thus far, that subscribe button, it is blinking like a neon sign. Click it. And you will subscribe to Cole Sports with a Z.com. Now, you can check it out on any social media platform. You can check it out on any podcatcher. We are on iTunes slash Apple Podcasts. We are on iHeartRadio. We are on Spotify. We are on other places where you can find us, ACAST as well. And speaking of where you can catch us on social media, Instagram is at Cole Sports with a Z. Facebook is at Cold Sports with a Z. Twitter is at Cold underscore Sports with a Z. And you can also catch me on ColdSportsWithAZ.com. And if you want to write long former email, you can email me or us at info, that's I-N-F-O, at ColdSportsWithAZ.com. And I just ask for three simple things. Love your neighbors yourself and love yourself with all of your heart. Tell a friend to tell a friend to tell a friend about this particular program and Enjoy the content. Thank you, VIP, for the Intelligent Sportsman. I am Cole Johnson, and this is... You've been listening to Cole Sports with Cole Johnson.